Hello and welcome back to a, another episode of the Ben and Melanie Show, your uh, liberal uh, therapy, our liberal uh, therapy, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm your host, Ben, and I'm here with... Me, uh, Melanie, yeah. hanging out over here on the other microphone. Yep. Um... <sighs> Hopefully, uh, oh yeah, yeah, I shouldn't even, I don't even know if we talked about this last week, but we actually have another microphone, so we have two microphones now, so yes. you should be able to hear both of us uh, pretty well, yay! Sorry about the variance in my voice volume, I, and, I get loud when I'm in, in, uh, emphasizing things, and then I get too quiet sometimes, so hopefully this helps! Yeah, I think the same thing happens with me, actually. So now we're not both trying to scream into the same microphone. Um, so that's kind of nice. Uh, yeah, today, actually, there's uh, there's several things. I, last week, uh, basically, I, I just read an article, and we didn't get a chance to talk about it much. But I think there's, like, several uh, news items on the agenda that we sort of want to talk about. Most of them more of a national, a bigger scope, uh, not – well, I think that – they're related to local things, kind of, if that makes sense. Um, well, anyway, I'll let Melanie go ahead. Yep. Okay, so several things that I wanted to mention. Um, one of the things I wanted to start out with, because uh, I think it's crazy, and I can't believe him, but anyways, Joe Manchin wants uh, the Enhanced Child Tax Credit to have a work requirement in order to pass a, like a smaller bill to bring that child tax credit payment back. He thinks that for some reason that parents are going to buy drugs with the money and in fact they have shown you know uh, that the payments were used to buy food and pay rent and things like that bills basically what people used it for or some of them you know paid off things they needed to pay off or whatever. Um, yeah, the he's fact, the. Oh, uh, go, go ahead. ahead. Oh, I just want to point out. I think he's a he's the senator right from West Virginia, mm-hmm. one of the senators yep. from West Virginia. Okay, go ahead. And he says he's a Democrat, although I'd like to question that. Um, <clears throat> uh, he in Cinema. Uh, and she's, I believe, the senator from Arizona. Right? Yeah, one she's of the, the senator from Arizona. From Arizona. Yep. Right? She also claims to be a Democrat. Um, I'm wondering if they're wolves in sheep clothing sometimes. You know, I was actually just list, uh, speaking of this, what his mentality is about the work requirement there. Um, it's like forcing people into labor into by, by having a work requirement would help. Uh, I think the idea there is, you know, it would help uh, uh, get people back to work. Um, you know, and uh, like because because apparently, you know, everybody's a slacker now. Y'all are lazy slackers. And, um, yeah, yeah, you slackers. You just want to sit home and get, get your unemployment get, get and your child tax credit. Yeah, <laughs> get back out there. Um, but no, I was I was just listening to a stuff you should know podcast, which is a great podcast and it's uh, really hilarious. And um, but they just talk about random subjects. But interestingly, they were talking about the black codes, uh, which were primarily written in eighteen well into uh, many Southern state constitutions after eighteen sixty five. After the end of the Civil War and the South lost the Civil War, uh, within a few years, the North uh, removed all troops from the South, and the South was allowed to just essentially go back to governing itself. Um, And what they did, uh, because they couldn't use slaves anymore, was they, in these black codes, they had specific laws that targeted black people, black individuals. One of these, uh, which was very common, apparently, in many states throughout the South, uh, I think like South Carolina, especially they were talking about, uh, was uh, forcing black people to have labor contracts, which basically is forced employment. Um, so they would have, to, if, you, if they're just caught without a labor contract, it was illegal and you could go to jail. Like, so if you're caught unemployed and you were black, it was illegal. Um, and I just think that's fascinating um, that uh, now, still after this many years now, it seems like uh, they're sort of imposing that the government is, 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 it goes back to that time period, really. But imposing that on, on, on general blanket, sort of all poor people. Apparently in the South at this time, too, the poor whites um, did not have to abide by that. They could take what's called an oath of poverty. 
uh, and they would not have to work if you wanted to be poor and white. It was apparently okay, and not have you know. Uh, but it was not okay to be poor and black and not work. That was not you were not allowed to take a bill to poverty. Anyway, I just thought that was really fascinating. Um, yeah, look up stuff you should know uh, the podcast if you want to know more about that. Um, yeah. So anyway, to me, that's all highly relevant today. Uh, a lot of the rules in the past, I don't know, what, 30 to 40 years for the welfare to work uh, rules. Don't uh, forget about the welfare queen. Yeah, myth. welfare queens. Like the idea of forcing people on welfare to get jobs, it does harken back to an earlier era, era in American history. Um, I don't think that most people are, th- I mean, I hate to say it, but I mean, I, I, I don't think that uh, race is not like a non factor here. Uh, they're, they're definitely thinking. It's oh, called uh, coded yeah. language. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, I think that you're right. I mean, it probably is uh, largely. We think when people think of a welfare queen, the odds are that they're not thinking of uh, somebody who's white. Right? They're not thinking of that's, a white person. Yeah. And when, when they code language like Manchin did, saying that he's afraid parents will be using the money for drugs, that's also coded language against African-American people. Yeah. That is definitely because of the drug wars or whatever in the Clinton era. Yep, yep. Yeah, and also... Uh, the whole welfare to work requirement um just it didn't succeed in doing anything that they were fearful of other than you know subsidized places like walmart where you can work 40 hours a week and not get paid enough and still qualify for welfare so we're subsidizing corporations at that point but Yet- well i was gonna say that that's that seems to be the point actually if anything i i think you're totally right i think after the after the end of the the civil war that that started a, uh, um, in subsidizing uh, plantation owners, really, right? Right. So, like, uh, if you were black and you were caught without a work contract, a labor contract, um, you could be f- uh, put in jail. So you get a labor contract, then it's quite possible you could go into a lot of debt to have to take out a loan for land and, and seed and everything like that to start a farm. Um, so apparently like it, then you go into a lot of debt that if you lost your farm or whatever, uh, a plantation owner then would come and offer to buy your debt, but then you would have to go back and work on that said plantation. So does that, that's kind of crazy because it kind of makes Walmart seem like a modern plantation system in a way. Um, yeah, cause it's essentially, they're forcing people to go to work if they get welfare at places like Walmart. So they're getting their welfare by working there. And so you're right. You're absolutely right. In addition to that, my comment about the drug wars earlier, too, that was a whole system that ended up hurting African-Americans greatly because it started the whole pipeline to prison thing with small, I mean, somebody caught with a joint or something. It wasn't even a lot of drugs that they were caught with. And then it was the whole three strikes, you're out. And it just basically... Uh, penalized African-American people, particularly who were um, uh, picked up and stopped by the police constantly for drug offenses. And and it's like putting uh, their whole families back for generations on that. Like (laughs) they put put one of the parents in prison, then you have like one person trying to work and take care of children and then it comes an intergenerational thing somebody else has to watch the kids while the mom works it's just terrible so it all it 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 hurts african-american people it hurts poor people but i think that also oh yeah yeah yeah, it does but i was going to say in general i think that the 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 the, maybe racists become less of an issue now now they're just almost like an anti-poor thing like anybody who is poor now is just this permanent sort of labor pool they can just exploit. They would like to exploit at, at, at will. You know what I mean? And frankly, like they're that's, quite that's, that's, mad that people have know, stood up and said, "I'm not going to work this job anymore and stop like working it. it." Yeah, well, Joe, people like Joe Manchin are, but he has like a he's a millionaire. He has a yacht. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like that's just not, let's be clear about that. He is mm-hmm. rich as hell, and he right. represents one of the poorest states in the country, West yep. Virginia. Yep. Um, and that that state's been exploited to shit for its coal and whatever other natural resources over the centuries here. But um, you know, like that that's a uh, yeah, he, he represents a really rich top end here. Um, and let's tie this into here where we live for a second, okay? Michigan, you know, there's a lot of rural poor people here. There's a lot of poor people in the urban areas as well. 
Um, the child tax credit, you know, like I could see with my own eyes, parents going in and suddenly that I've seen in the store before struggling, suddenly their carts were full, they were able to buy groceries, the stress on some of the poorer families around here, their faces looked a little better than they have. Um, you know, uh, just, I just don't understand this because basically when you give stimulus payments or any kind of refundable credits to poor people, what happens is, is they use them immediately. It doesn't go to buy a 75th yacht. It doesn't get put in a bank somewhere offshore. That does, It stays in the economy and it actually benefits rich people more and quicker than giving a corporate uh, handout does or subsidizing a corporation yeah. is much quicker. That money gets spent immediately and it goes right back into the economy. I totally agree with you there. Um, it does not just sit in some investment in account or anything like that. And this is one uh, of the things I don't understand yeah, about poor Republicans, okay? And frankly, it irritates me about rich liberal people, rich de Democrats irritate me too because it's just like, okay, people are suffering out here. We're in the middle of a pandemic. The people need help. Instead, instead of helping them, we're going to get the biggest hammer we can, put on our boot, and smash them into the ground some more. Hey, you can't get to the hospital because there's too many sick people in there. Smash. Hey, you guys all have to go to work now. You're our slaves. Start making the widgets right now. Oh, we're going to call you lazy bastards because you got more unemployment than working, and that's why you're not working. We're not going to mention the fact that we don't hardly pay you anything. We're not going to mention the fact that we don't have a social safety net in this country like every other first world country does. Oh, are we turning into a banana republic? That's my question. Maybe we already were. <laughs> Maybe we but already a, were. But, well, parts of the, the empire is think, dead. Think, that's no, no, the no, truth. no, no, no. I, I don't know about that. I don't <laughs> think that's true, really, at all. I think this country is is, is is definitely the richest country in the world. I don't think that this is a banana republic at all. But um, but I think it is for some people. Let's we have a lot of way. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It is. It is depending on your who you are, your ethnic background. Obviously, race is a factor, but also just class is a factor as well yep you know like that's 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 yeah it, this could be a, a third world country for some people but um yeah what they don't realize is that in history as my my husband here could relate because he's well versed in that better than i am but you know if you starve the people too long you end up with things that happen like in france okay you need to give the people, the regular folks, a crumb now and again. You can keep them happy with a crumb. You need to give them good benefits. You need to give them a job. You need to bring back the middle class. Yeah. We need to have health care, guys. Speaking We're of, much happier and we'll work harder for you if you do do those things. Speaking of history, though, I just was thinking of, uh, uh, they're talking about um, Kristen Cinema, the senator from Arizona. We were talking about her earlier. Yep. Right. And uh, people are saying that she is coming off like uh, Mary Antoinette, like, they're, they're attributing this quote, let them eat cake, uh, to Kristen Cinema now from Arizona. Like, that's how she's coming off. Completely indifferent, completely, like, uh, Vulcan, just non-emotional in the face of seeing just horribleness, you know, like, doesn't care. Um, and that that's, that's part of it, too. I... I think that we should also reach part across. I'll, I'll give credit where credits due. A little bit across party lines here. I don't think that Republicans like don't care. I think they just have different solutions to these problems as they see it. Many Republicans, not all. Some Republicans probably don't care too, but um, some Democrats don't care too. I'm just really particularly bitchy about this particular Democrat right now because she started out her career as a volunteer. She's roughly our age. She started out her career as a volunteer for Ralph Nader um in like the 2000 election which i very much feel akin to that because i supported ralph nader and voted for ralph nader in 2000 and i am shocked and bewildered at how apparently 20 years can change somebody a lot but wow to come that far to be the person that actually is just not allowing anything to go through uh, well, one of the two people. Um, I just, um, I actually, Joe Manchin, actually, I see he's just a rich, a rich bastard. Yeah, that's just, he's going to be a rich bastard. And, yep, he's going to hate on changing anything in our society. But Kristen Cinema, I think like, her claim to fame is being a progressive. 
like being somebody that wants change, that wants a better reality for every people in this country, then nope, she has to shut it. Like, look, if I didn't know better, all right, this is I've taken a lot of Russian history, all right, but like if I didn't know better, I I'd say that like she's trying to make things harder for everybody to actually cause the revolution to happen, which is completely insane. I know, like I don't I don't know what else to attribute her behavior as. Um, supposedly she was in a in a meeting with the president at this point. I don't know. This is true, but she was apparently looking at her phone, like she didn't even pay attention to it. Like, like people are saying all kinds of things uh, from what I'm hearing uh, from different podcasts, news outlets, various rumors and everything like that. It's just like, what is she doing? Um, and she's acting more disrespectful than if she was actually a Republican. Um, and then changing back to what we were talking about just another minute before that. Where you were talking about the crumbs, uh, uh, Melanie, I will say this for Trump, he knew how to give out a crumb or two. Like, he'd be like, here's a thousand bucks, here's a stimulus or a twelve hundred or whatever. You know, he would, he would, I'm not saying that's He good, only good, did but, that because yeah. he had oh. advisors telling him you have to pander to the poor Republicans. You have to give them something. So that's why he did but that. But he pandered to everybody, though. Because mm-hmm. I think there's been psychological studies right. on rich people that the more richer you get, the, the less... You can care about other people. Like, the less empathetic but, you are. So they really were worried about people rising up against them and whatnot. I think so. Maybe. Maybe they were. They knew and they went a step maybe too they far. Were, but but, but I, I think at least they did something. Yep. They took some kind of action. I will say that for that, that administration, they were at least apparently doing something. This Lately, this current administration, it does not seem... To be it doing seems a whole like ton, but you need to walk up to yeah. the whole people, yeah. all of them. What have you the, done for me lately, guys? What have you done for me lately? That's what I want to know. Can you no. even find your ass with two hands? <laughs> That's what I want to know. Yeah. <laughs> Can you pass anything? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry that was so loud, but yeah. seriously, people. Um. Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> I knew no, I totally agree with you, though. I, I don't really... Oh, my God, it's so frustrating. It's so frustrating because yeah. we see, we live in this area in rural America in the Midwest, and we see the pain people are under every day, the pressure and the pain of everybody every day. Like, I see it on the parents' faces when I take uh, our son to school. Like, I can see it. And then, that's a whole other story, but, like, they, the community is great. They They got, like... Gloves There's and a lot of people that are there. coming together, and everybody is, yeah, really, really, the community is amazing here. Yeah, but, uh, but there's one thing not... they don't realize, like, they they have this table, okay, at the school where they have, like, hats and coats and gloves and stuff for poor families, and then they pulled it out, and then all the families are standing around waiting for their kids to come out where you sign out. Like, they expect a poor family to out themselves and come up and grab things off that table in front of all the other parents and I think that that's ridiculous and needs to change because all people have dignity all people have dignity okay okay we took a little break there Uh, had some fun with children um, uh, just to, uh, change the subject a bit here, I want to talk about an article in the Atlantic I read. It's just like a month old at this point. Uh, this just seemed like, uh, I had it written down to talk about on this podcast a while ago, but, um, anyway, I just never got around to it. Uh, essentially this is a, a article by, uh, this guy named, uh, uh, Fintan O'Toole. Um, it says, beware prophecies of civil war. This is from... Um, the Atlantic. I'm trying to look for the date. Unfortunately, I do not see it right off hand. I think it's like December 16th at uh, Atlantic. Anyway, um, it says January, February 2022 issue. But um, <clears throat> in January 1972, when I was in well, a 13-year-old in, a boy in Dublin, my father came home from work and told us to prepare for civil war. He was not a bloodthirsty zealot, nor was he given to hysterical outbursts. He was calm and rueful, but also grimly certain civil war was coming to Ireland, whether we wanted it or not. He and my brother, who was 16, and I, when I got older, would all 
would all be up in Northern Ireland with guns fighting for the Catholics against the Protestants. What made him so sure of our fate was that the British Army's uh, parachute regiment had opened fire on the streets of Derry after an illegal but essentially peaceful civil rights march. Troops killed 1,300 people, mortally wounded another, and shot more than a dozen others. Intercommunal violence had gradually been escalating, had been gradually escalating, but this seemed to be the tipping point. There were just two sides now, and we all would have to pick one. It was one of them. It was them or us. Um, the conditions for civil war did indeed seem to exist at that moment. Northern Irish society had become viciously polarized between one tribe that felt itself have, to have suffered oppression and another one that that another one fearful that the loss of its power and privilege would lead to annihilation by its ancient enemies. Both sides had long established traditions of paramilitary violence. The state, in this case, both the local Protestant-dominated administration in Belfast and the British government in London, uh, was unable to stop the meltdown into anarchy. It was, as the massacre in Derry proved, joining in. (sighs) Uh, yet my father's fears were not fulfilled. There was a horrible 30-year conflict that brought death to thousands and varying degrees of misery to millions. There was terrible cruelty and abysmal atrocity. There were decades of despair in which it seemed impossible that a polity that had imploded could ever be rebuilt. But the conflict never did rise to the level of a civil war. However, the belief that there was going to be a civil war in Ireland made everything worse. Once that idea takes hold, it has a force of its own. The demagogues warn that the other side is mobilizing. They are coming for us. Not only do we have to defend ourselves, but we have to deny them the advantage of making the first move. The logic of the preemptive strike sets in. Do it to them before they do it to you. The other side, of course, is thinking the same thing. That year, 1972, was one of the most murderous in Northern Ireland, precisely because this doomsday mentality was shared by ordinary, rational people like my father. Premonitions of civil war served not as importance to be heeded, but as a warrant for carnage. And then I love how he goes over to this uh, here. Uh, Could the same thing happen in the United States? Much of American culture is already primed for the final battle. There is a very deep strain of apocalyptic fantasy and fundamentalist Christianity. Armageddon may be horrible, but it is not to be feared because it will be the harbinger of eternal bliss for the elect, uh, for the elect and the eternal damnation for their foes. On what used to be referred to as the far right, but perhaps now, but should should now simply be called the armed wing of the Republican Party, the immense the eminence of a civil war is a given. Indeed, the conflict can be imagined not as America's future, but as its present. In an interview with The Atlantic, published in November of 2020, two months before the invasion of the U.S. Capitol on uh, January 6th, the founder of the Oath Keeper, Stuart Rhodes, uh, declared, I think that guy is going to jail, actually, now, if I'm not mistaken. Anyway, declared, let's not fuck around. Uh, he added, we've descended into a civil war. The following month, the FBI, warning of possible attacks on state capitals, said that its members... Members of the so-called Boogaloo movement believe an impending insurgency against the government is forthcoming, and some believe they should accelerate the timeline with armed anti-government actions leading to a civil war. After January 6th, mainstream Republicans picked up the theme. Much of American, the American race is spoiling for a fight in the most literal sense, which is one good reason to be very cautious about echoing the... As the Canadian journalist and novelist Stephen March does in the next Civil War, Dispatches from the American Future, the claim that America is already in a state of civil strife on the threshold of civil war, these prophecies have a way of being self-fulfilling. Admittedly, if there were to be another American Civil War, if the future historians were to look back on its origins, they would find them quite easily in recent events. It is news to no one that the United States is deeply polarized, that its divisions are not just political, but social and cultural, and that even its response to a global pandemic became a tribal combat zone, that its system of federal governance gives the, a minority the power to frustrate and repress the majority, that much of its media discourse is toxic, that one half of a two-party system has entered a post-democratic phase, and that uniquely among developed states, it tolerates the existence of several hundred private armies equipped with battle-grade weaponry. Oh, I got to stop there, actually. Uh, I could keep going. It's a fairly, I mean, it's actually, maybe I've already 
Uh, well, no, actually, it's quite a bit more. <laughs> but the point I just wanted to make on our podcast today is just that maybe um, I there was a massive uh, uh, article, I think, on NPR about having a potential civil war here a couple weeks ago. Uh, it seems like that was kind of, it's been in the air anyway for like at least a month now. Um, I think the January 6th anniversary thing brought it up a bunch. I just think that it's good to just hear a perspective from somebody from Ireland who lived through the Troubles, who lived through the 70s, 80s, and 90s, you know what I mean, and got to see, well, got to see the carnage, I guess, uh, in, a, in a sort of gruesome madness, right? Like, it's just not, it's not worth it. And we might not even necessarily have a civil war. It doesn't mean that some people aren't running around thinking that there's already one, and then they go crazy, you know? Um, and uh, I don't know. What do you think, though? But... I think that I've heard a lot of talk about this in both sides of the aisle. <clears throat> and the thing it is, is we will not have a civil war like we did last time. It's not going to happen the same way. And it's more likely to happen like Ireland. I mean, that's more the truth of it. Uh, in The more we talk about it, it's like the media revs everybody up into this big frenzy. And it's increasing a neighbor against neighbor, basically. And even though, you know, if, a, if something like that actually happened, you could be sitting there. Say you started out as a liberal person, a progressive, and things happen and it, to your family or something, somebody close or whatever, and then it makes you have to stand on the same side as your Republican neighbor against whatever it is that's coming towards you. You do not know what would happen then. We do not want to see what that, what, I don't ever want to see this. I just don't. I think that a lot of this has been revved up and polarized and divided. It's divide and conquer strategy, right? It's been used a lot of times in history. And we need to look past that. I'm just scared of where the next Timothy McVeigh is going to come from. You know, like, I'm, I'm afraid of that sort of thing happening. We already did have a plot against the governor in Michigan last year, whatever that was. 2020 maybe that was yeah like that that they're planning a kidnapping there um some crazies um there's plenty of those guys around um and that you know timothy mcveigh was the guy who like blew up the oklahoma city building you know i just i think we need to just just put all this to bed i, I think the media needs to take some responsibility for revving some of these guys up you know and freaking them out and causing them to go nuts and, and then also well on a positive note, I, I did just read today, today actually, that that, that a far right um, network, uh, One American News, right? Is, I believe it's called, yeah, One American News, uh, which Trump um, has, re, you know, like talked about a lot and retweeted back when he had Twitter. Uh, like they they just got uh, shut down by DirecTV. Yeah, I know. At least supposedly, that's what I just read that today. Holy cow. Uh, supposedly, they, they, are they getting shut down? AT and T owns DirecTV, I guess, and they're shutting them. Shutting them off. Um, there's been a big debate about them existing apparently for the last three months. Um, since the founder, I guess, of that network said that he did it because AT and T wanted him to apparently. Um, and they're like quite they're further right than Fox News, and now they're getting shut down. So maybe that's maybe this is a harbinger of things to come. Maybe things are getting better. Actually, you know, maybe things are calming down a little. But anyway, I just I just love the perspective of an Irish person uh, explaining, you know, even just the talk of it, the talk of, of, of all of the possibilities of what can happen, you know, can even. Yeah. What we need it. to do right now, uh, people in the media, if you're listening out there, probably not. But if you are, is we can write, we can report on the same stories, but we need to do it in a different format using different language. We, not, we need to use non-incendiary language. We need to focus on just the facts. Maybe not That's everything... we need to do. Oh, yeah. I was just going to say, maybe not everything has to be seen through, like, two lenses, like, uh, quote-unquote, fair and balanced, like Fox News. Like, there doesn't have to be two sides to every single story. We don't like live that, in a that, binary yeah, world, Yeah, it's people. not a binary world. It's not either on or off. Like, there's a lot of shades of gray in there, you know, and, like, maybe that's just, a, you know, it. we don't need to have... Um, just, 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 it's either Republican or Democrat and that's our ID and that's, that's the only world we live in. You know, like that's, there has to be more than that. 
Um, and obviously, we I, I trend incredibly to the left. Yeah, I, I'm further left than most Democrats. <laughs> you know, but I, I just, I, I guess maybe I'm seeing it from a little bit of an outsider perspective on that, I suppose. Um, yeah, it's just, it's just scary. If you put everything in that frame, eventually it does lead to that because you have a bipolar world. And eventually the other side is just the bad guys and everything they do is going to be against you. And they're going to think the same, like that guy was saying, the Irish guy, you know, like he was saying, like it's just no matter what they do and what they say, they're on the wrong side, you know what I mean? And they're the enemy. And um, God, that's uh, not a good reality. That's a bad, bad timeline to be living in. We don't want to live in that timeline. No. Um, I think enough people have been hurt and are dying right now from the pandemic than to start something else. Mm-hmm. I think enough is enough. There's enough problems. Yeah. I think we all yep. need to pull on our big people pants and start sitting at the same table, have a cup of coffee, and find common ground. Let's build a a building out of Legos <laughs> one at a time with things that we have in common. Like, yeah. I don't know, we want to be healthy. Legos. We want to be happy. We want to have a happy, happy, healthy family. We want to be able to have enough food enough job a worth in our life of whatever it is that we want to do those are common things yeah let's concentrate on that maybe huh and legos and legos legos are fun yes (laughs) (laughs) oh man anyway that's dark it's depressing i didn't mean to get all depressed uh, there uh depression happening here but yeah i just uh boy yeah we don't want to go down that road so Let's just steer steer the ship back. Yep. Um, yep. Somehow. Uh, anyway, uh, uh, there was one more thing I wanted to bring up. Apparently, in local news, I I uh, I, I do read the, the Greenville Daily News occasionally, and apparently there is some talk in Greenville uh, banning books yet again uh, for the school, Greenville uh, school board. I um, I'm just thinking out loud about that right now, but uh, I. I just can't believe it almost uh, this day and age but um did you did you read about that Melanie a little bit or I did and apparently you know yeah. I've seen several articles across the country that this is a big push to talk back to your school districts and say what you don't want and, and I need to let me go find that article can you yeah okay this is in the daily news on Wednesday January 12th there's a it's headline, Parent Citizens Speak Out on Greenville Book Ban Request. So it was in at the Greenville um, Public Schools Board of Education meeting. Uh, it said roughly around 75 people showed up. Uh, seven people were against book banning. Three pe- people were for book banning. All three people standing up, I think, for the book banning pro side were from a specific group but um the books in question were looking for alaska published in 2005 by author john green it's a award-winning young adult novel that focuses on themes of meaning grief hope and youth adult relationships however the book also makes reference to drugs alcohol smoking and nudity offensive language and at times sexually explicit resulting in in it landing on the American Library Association's list of frequently challenged books in 2008, 2012, 2013, 2015, and 2016. The other book they were uh, suggesting be banned is called Me, Earl, and the Dying Girl, a New York Times bestselling book published in 2012 by author Jesse Andrews. Uh, okay, and... <laughs> You should read the whole article. I'm not going to do that here, but I, at the end, there was this great quote. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, <laughs> so uh, Tom Stevenson of Eureka Township described the current efforts being made to ban books at GPS as hypocritical, based on statements from those same parents last year regarding COVID-19 restrictions. Quote, since the pandemic began, we have seen a big push for the freedom of individuals to choose what's best for them. From masks to vaccines, we have seen a concerted effort for those things to remain a personal choice. And to my understanding, here in Greenville Public Schools, they remain a choice, he said. While I may not agree that these things should all be by choice, as I believe that we must all make sacrifices for the common good, I respect the opinion of the board and the superintendent to ensure masks and vaccines remain a choice. So while we're on this topic of choice, let's 
apply it to library books, he continued. Why, if we have been pushing for this freedom to choose for yourselves in other facets of life, are we suddenly hearing a concerted push for some to choose what books are best for all children? Former Greenville High School English teacher and current student instructional coach, Elizabeth Gates described the current effort to ban books at GPS as one that violates the rights of all other students in the school district. And I quote, The irony is not lost that a group who stands against mandates is trying to mandate students to not have access to the content that they deem is in inappropriate. She said, while I wholeheartedly believe that this parent's right to determine what is appropriate for their child, no one here has the right to determine the appropriateness for anyone else's child. After citing specific U.S. Supreme Court rulings regarding school officials' suppression of First Amendment rights, Gates said she believes the effort to ban books travels down that same path. Mm. I just thought that Yay. was a great comment. Yep, yep. You guys are the heroes of the moment right there. The thank you, the librarians. Moment. Yeah, thank you. Well, Elizabeth Gates there. <laughs> and Elizabeth Gates, uh, who, yes. Uh, stood up uh, yes. there and said that the irony is is amazing, of course. Like, it is just completely lost on the people doing this, I think. Yeah. But that's all right. Yep, yep. Thank you so much for speaking out. What, what was the other guy's name? Stevenson. Yeah. Um, was it Tom let's Stevenson? Let's see here. Yeah. Stop. Yeah, Tom Stevenson of Eureka Township. Yay, Yay. thank you. Thank you for making uh, yep. great comments and bringing some common sense to the school board meeting. Yep, yep. Oh, thanks for doing that. Um, I just, uh, I can't believe in 2022 we're seriously actually talking about this um, in the United States of America <laughs> at this point. Yeah. But hey, you know, and actually, gosh, who was it? With, maybe it was in this article, actually. I read a great, somebody made a comment, just, uh, maybe it was online, I don't remember. Uh, somebody said that it's like hilarious, but every time they try to ban a book like this, it just it's like skyrockets its popularity. It's almost like like there's no way to make a high school student want to read a book more than try to ban it. You know, like ban that book and everybody will be reading that book. Oh my God. Like that's the first thing they're going to, now looking for Alaska is going to be like the most popular book. Mm -hmm. In Greenville. Yeah. And uh, what is my name is or Me, what, or, Earl, me, and the Dying Earl Girl. And, yeah, Probably sorry, is sold out. Well, <laughs> my name is Earl. Is the <laughs> that's not the <laughs> name. <laughs> me, Earl, yeah, and uh, the me, Dying yeah, Girl. Yeah. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah, that I've never actually read that book at all or anything. I'm unfamiliar with the author completely, but mm -hmm. I just. Now it's going to be popular. That's yep. for sure. I so, remember this yep. when I was a kid because, like, there was one book by Judy Bloom that nobody could find and nobody was supposed to read called Forever. And it was full of explicit language and sexual innuendos and whatnot. And I remember um, music tapes and video games, too. Parents were like, no, you can't do that. And it was immediately there was an underground. All the students <laughs> got together. And we got the all those things that you didn't want us to have <laughs> immediately. <laughs> Even some of the censored explicit cassette oh tapes God. that had to come from other states. <laughs> We got from older cousins, and they brought them in, and we made seventy-five thousand copies. <laughs> That's what happens when you try to censor people. That's just the truth. It's oh like, God. why is that a thing? I want to know why. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it completely backfires. Yeah. So, group, if you're whoever's trying to ban the books at Greenville Schools, if you're trying to sell books for those two authors, good, good, yep. Good on you. You're selling, you're helping sell books. Right. So, <laughs> good luck even getting a copy of one of those right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think if there was anything else I wanted to talk about today. Oh, yeah. There was uh, one more little thing. I, I mean, I didn't really have a lot to add, I guess, uh, other than I, I, I wanted to talk a little bit about they, they, they did select a new uh, map that was supposed to be ungerrymandered for the state of Michigan's uh, districts, for our house district, for, for every district's. Uh, actually, uh, for all the districts, actually, um, the Independent Districting Commission has been working on this for a long time. They had to use the census results from 2020, um, but technically they came up with something, so we'll see. Uh, apparently, uh, there's a lawsuit that's ongoing um, from, uh, I want to say, uh, uh, black residents in Detroit, right, who are upset saying it's going to result in a lack of uh, black um, Congress people, really, I suppose, in, in the state legislature. Uh, 
and maybe maybe at the, the house level too. I guess or the uh, the federal house level too. I'm not sure, um, but uh, we'll see what happens. Um, I'm still actually hopeful because at least it gives the Democrats a shot of taking the state house back someday, maybe. Yeah, and 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 possibly the state senate back. You never know. You know, so like like the the Democrats before this would not even have a hope or a prayer, but with this new map, you never know. Um, it looks like uh, Grand Rapids and Muskegon are all kind of in one big gold district over there now. Uh, that's most likely going to lean blue, uh, from what I saw. Um, the uh, on, on the web, there's a web page you can actually check if you Google the Michigan Independent Citizens Commission. Uh, the name of the map is Chestnut of all things. I don't really know why they call it that. Um, Macomb County and Ionia County, and I think like Barry County, and then like up to like north and east and west. Several, it's a very large district are lumped into one gigantic, very much Republican-leaning county or uh, district for the U.S. House. Um, that's just, and uh, Mulinar, our current representative, is saying he is going to run again for that seat, even though he no longer resides in it. So any Republicans who are listening, uh, you have a fair shot. I think you could primary that guy if you actually live in this district. Go for it, man. Like, you know what? Give it a shot uh, because it's it lean super Republican, but the primary is going to be where it's all decided. So any re- there's, I'm sure there will be several Republicans trying. He lives in Midland, which is now in a completely different district. So uh, even though he's going to try to hold on to this, it's, it's hard to say what will happen. Um, I personally would rather vote for somebody from this district and somebody who lives in a completely different one. Uh, Midland is getting lent in, I guess, with uh, Flint, Saginaw, um, that whole area over there. Um, and I think that's probably going to lean more Democrat. There's no way somebody like Mulinar could actually win there. So, uh, Or at least it's going to lean neutral-ish. Um, and uh, I think that, I try to think if there's any other interesting little tidbits that are happening with that. Oh, oh sorry. Did you have something you wanted to say? Uh, well, no. Do you have more about that? Uh, no, that's, that's it for right now. I'm just really kind of curious what's going to, I'm really, really, I think that's like our best hope. I hate, I don't think the intention of the independent citizens redistricting commission was to create a racist map either. That's disappointing. If, and maybe it was, maybe it did happen inadvertently. Maybe they are destroying districts in Detroit. I don't really know. Um, uh, I don't. I don't know about enough about the geographic uh, uh, boundaries and stuff in Detroit. I guess, um, but uh, but I mean, apparently that that's. We'll, we'll just have to see how the courts handle that. I suppose. But right now, it's a go. I think, um, as far as we know, other than that. So anyway, um, yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. I have been reading a lot about the pressure schools are under. I am seeing it on my Facebook with teachers I know. I've seen it with school closures, like Ionia Public Schools had to close because of lack of staffing for a couple of days. Um, and then we have these new laws that just came into, uh, that Whitmer signed about uh, using other staff, other school staff to be substitute teachers because of the, the lack of substitute teachers right now uh, as this pandemic wears on. Um, which was laughable to me because I know people working in multiple positions inside the school as it is that are not even doing the substitute teaching because they are busy doing three other jobs. Um, people keep getting sick and whether you want to close schools or not, what's happening is too many people get sick at the same time. There's not enough people to cover them and you end up with staff shortages and not enough people to run it. Uh, the same thing, uh, in other states here, uh, let me see, there, I was reading this article here on NPR and it's uh, entitled Lawmakers are Rewriting S- Rules as Schools Grapple with Teacher Shortages. And there is one in place in particular, let me find it, that they actually are just allowing 18 year olds. Here we go. In Kansas, state officials are now open to having teens with no college experience take charge of students. The State Board of Education on Wednesday announced it lowered requirements for obtaining an emergency substitute teaching license as a last resort. So in Kansas, uh, 
if you have a high school diploma, you're 18 years old, pass a background check and have a verified commitment from a district for employment, submit a completed application, and bam, you're a, a substitute teacher. This is terrible. As a parent, you want somebody that's educated teaching your children. Um, you do not want someone that is not educated teaching your students, that is not educated in how to teach. Let's put it that I, way. I, would, I wanted to add to this. I think, I mean, if you go back to like the 1800s, I'm sure there was probably teachers that just had high school diplomas. Oh, definitely. Mm -hmm. But back then, I think if you had a high school diploma, um, that was kind of a, like you probably spoke, you probably could read and speak Latin, possibly. You you, you really had to go through a lot more rigorous uh, uh, training to get to that point. I think the average, you know, education or whatever um, during, I guess I don't know. I could probably, I didn't Google it. I didn't even think about it before we talked about this. But I mean, I'm sure the average education or whatever was like eighth grade or something like that, you know, back then. And so, yeah, you, like these people, you know, I'm sure there's like women who just had a high school education, went on the frontier and they taught like in Little House in the Prairie places and stuff like that. But like that, that's very romanticized and maybe that's not the best situation currently, uh, especially since there's a large amount of people with degrees out there mm -hmm. uh, that may be looking for jobs that for whatever reason are unable to, well, maybe not in Kansas, I guess. I don't really know, but um, maybe they're looking for jobs. Maybe they should offer to pay them more. You know, that's that's an option. Let's you know, stop so treating our teachers you know, also. I mean, we're just talking about substitute teachers. Yeah, right? substitutes. Yeah. So I, I'm just, I mean, we're just talking about, we're not talking about like full-time teaching staff, but I mean, just offer to pay substitute teachers more maybe, yep. or maybe offer them some sort of benefits just to be substitute teachers. I know that might, I don't know if that's, maybe they already get something like that. I have no idea. I'm just speculating. I Mm -hmm. uh, I am going to talk about regular teachers because they're bleeding regular staff right now. People people are quitting the teaching profession. There is a lack of respect for teachers. Teachers are also un, not unlike a lot of other professions. They're supposed to be, you know, teachers and social, social workers and psychiatrists and parents and, you know, all kinds of other things. Therapists of different varieties. And we don't respect our teachers in this country. We don't respect them like other countries respect their teachers. We don't pay them enough. We need to pay them more. They are valuable members of our society who shape lives. And I think that uh, we need to do something about this because I think at this point with the pandemic, we are pushing our institutions over the edge. Not just uh, our healthcare industry, is at the at the brink as it is overburdened completely they're bleeding nurses and doctors at this point we're bleeding teachers i just read an article that they don't have enough in some places around the country they don't have enough garbage pickup people because the garbage pickup people are getting sick and there's not anyone to replace them this is an endemic thing with our systems it's 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 at the verge of collapse at many different points in our system because of the pandemic, the amount of people that have died, the amount of people that are sick, um, the lack of well-paying jobs. People are tired of taking nothing when they have to face a pandemic, you know, when they have to face this terrible, deadly virus thing, you know. And I'll, I'll be honest, too, like it does seem like there's a lot of lip service when the pandemic first started about mm -hmm. essential workers and everybody's like a hero and all this stuff like that. And it's just like. Yeah, you know, oh, teachers are amazing. You know, essential workers are amazing. Garbage men are amazing. You know, just everybody who's like really out there doing it is amazing. And then like it all just completely, it's all bullshit pretty much. It just yep. let's just get back to normal as soon as possible, and then just like like I'll get back to working. You know, throwing your trash up in your trash bins, trash worker. Yeah, you know, like I don't know if yeah, go ahead. Essential workers. The term essential workers is as good as the term. I'm giving you thoughts and prayers when a school shooting It does seem happens. like that at this point because there was, to my knowledge, I don't think hazard pay ever materialized for a great deal of people in the population. Um, no one ever got like a bonus for going in risking their life or anything like that. I mean, some people did. I shouldn't say that. I, I, no, I mean, a lot of people didn't though. Um, and um, yeah, so that's just, ugh, that is actually quite frustrating. Um and now things are kind of hitting the fan again, and people are just like, yeah, fuck it. And and then to yeah, tap it all off, what we were talking about earlier, uh, it is like they're tightening down the thumbscrews. Yep. 
Like, let's, nope, we can't give an inch or they're going to take a mile or something. Let's just really just. We're not going to close the schools. Yep. You're not going to get any money. You're not going to, uh, we're not nope. going to give the daycares nope. more money. We're, we're not, not going to keep no anything help. open. We're not going to nope. do that. No help for you yep. for daycare. No help for anybody. You get you get your ass to work and you pay for daycare and you know you figure it the fuck out. Yeah. Let them eat cake. Yeah, it does feel very much like that. You yeah, let them eat cake, right? And um, very. Uh, <laughs> this is a cluster. This is a recipe for societal upheaval. Yep. As happened then. As yep. happened in France in mm-hmm. the seventeen eighties and nineties. Yes. So uh, um, yep. anyway, uh, I. Th- I think we probably better cut it short, start cutting it short here, but yeah. I just want to say I do want to probably talk about the education system in another podcast, and if anybody out there is a teacher and would like to give me some insight from your side of the doorway, let me know. You can leave a comment on our Facebook page or email our show at Ben and Melanie show ben at melanie gmail. show at ben and melanie show at gmail.com yeah, yeah, right, wow right. why do i have a trouble no i have a trouble i have trouble with that we need to change, <laughs> change the email yeah. address um, thank you to all our listeners out yeah there. thanks a lot for all your support again uh thanks thanks for listening really appreciate it um you know we're just going to kind of keep on going with this we just we're, we're seeing stuff that needs to be said it seems like we're, we're we're putting stuff together that seems like it needs to be put together. I I, I feel anyway, and uh, that I, so I just want to yeah I want to keep going uh, that's for sure. So um, anything else? All right, with that I'll uh, finish it off with a little little bomb of pee.